What animals communicate by farting? <laughs> That sounds like a Marsha question. And here's a Bob question: What president saw a UFO? Answers to those and other questions coming up in this episode of The Off Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the off ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Well, you have the serious presidential question. I have the funny farting question, Marcia. So <laughs> let's start with these. Uh, what animals communicate by farting? And this has been documented in a scientific study. Really? Yes. All right. Let me guess. Cows. No. Human beings. No. Well, that's probably true too. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. Herring. Herring. Herring well, of all gee, things. It took me a while to get to that one. They uh, communicate at night by farting. Or <laughs> this comes from Nature.com. Robert Batty and his associates at the Scottish Association for Marine Science were monitoring captive herring one night, and they noticed them breaking wind. He said, we heard these rasping noises. They sounded like high-pitched raspberries, you know? High raspberries. Oh, okay, yeah. Appar How did they know it was gas and not something annoying? Because they could see the little, <gasps> the little trails of gas. Really? Apparently, fish at the front of a shoal gulp air from the surface. They store it in their swim bladder, and then they <laughs> fart. This is at night. They fart to communicate with other herring to keep their schools together and away from predators. They, the sounds are not made during the day, only at night, because during the day, the fish use visual information. And that won Robert Batty and his associates an Ig Nobel Award from Harvard University. Ig Nobel? Ig Nobel, yes. The Ig Nobel <laughs> Awards are awards designed to make people laugh and then think, but they're based on scientific truth. Well, that's, that's my kind of... Award. I so like herring it. communicate by farting. Thank you. Only That's, at night, though, Okay. when they need it. <laughs> Very tasteful that way. <laughs> All right, Bob. Having seen in person a UFO, who was the only president to publicly say he believed in them? I think it was Jimmy Carter, wasn't I it? I think you might be right. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. A little distortion there from uh, that new microphone that? <laughs> you're using, Marsh. <laughs> Yes, Bob, it was Jimmy Carter when he was governor of Georgia in 1969. He and a group of people were standing outside a Lions Club in Leary, Georgia, when he spotted what he called the darndest thing I've ever seen, unquote. He described the... Only he said it like this, what well, was the darndest thing I've ever seen? Okay. <laughs> That's exactly right. He described the unidentified object as very bright with changing colors, and it was about the size of the moon. It hovered about 30 degrees above the horizon and moved in toward the earth before disappearing into the distance. So he described it like an engineer that he was. Yes. Wow. Yes. yes. I just barely remembered that, and I assumed it would be somebody in the relative recent past, you yeah. know, Jimmy Carter. Yeah, it was bigger than a peanut. It was a lot bigger. He yes. was also the only president to say that he had lust in his heart. So yes. there's a lot well, of things yeah. Jimmy had. Yeah, that... he regretted that one, and that's too bad. <laughs> okay. Okay, Marsha, get ready. Word origins. All right. <laughs> so here's a question. We should have some special music for that. <laughs> How did the notes of a meeting get to be called the minutes? It has nothing to do with the clock. 
Okay. How did it, Bob? I'm asking you, Marsh. I, I don't know. Okay. Well, it comes <laughs> from the Latin minutus, meaning small. Records of proceedings were generally taken down in miniature or abbreviated form, and they were later transcribed into full written script. So minutes refers to the size of the writing or the notation taken to record a meeting's progress. Like shorthand. Yeah. Gotcha. But That's they didn't it? call it shorthand. They called it no, minutes. Minute. Well, I would have thought it was something about the clock too, Bob. Yeah. Okay. You remember a few years ago when Bush the Elder jumped out of the plane. President George Bush the yeah. Elder. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. At the age of 72, he uh, parachuted. 72? Yeah. Okay. What age was the oldest person to skydive? I think it was somebody in their 90s, wasn't it? It was not. 100? Was not. 101? No. 102? No. 103? Yes. (laughs) Wow. Really? 103 years old and you jump out of an airplane. Yeah. And uh, this is the cool part. You know, they skydive in tandem. Right. Professional person helping you along usually. But he made the dive with his grandsons all around him. They were skydiving too. Isn't that cool? Had he been skydiving all of his life? No. No? No. Wow. So just, just at the last minute. Oh, literally, (laughs) the last year. Yes. Wow. And the parachute opened. Yes. (laughs) All right. All right. Very good. All right. I have another word origin. This is a sports-oriented one. So listen up here, you sports fan. Okay. 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 What baseball team got its name from the ability of its town's citizens to avoid cable cars? A famous baseball team got its name from the ability of its town's citizens to avoid cable cars. Now, they moved to another city, so this doesn't apply anymore. It's been years since they were in this town. Yeah. In what? Oh, the town you're going to reference? Yes. I, I, gosh. Let me give you a hint. The name of the team has an action-oriented word. It's the town blankers. Okay, the uh, Detroit Pistons. No, this is... Hey, there's an idea. That's movement, yeah. But that's basketball. And it's not right uh, either. (laughs) Tell me. (laughs) Put me out of my misery. Well, the Los Angeles Dodgers, which were originally the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh Uh-huh. Brooklyn had many cable cars. That was the problem. There was a maze of trolley car lines crossing the town of Brooklyn, and citizens had to be on the lookout to dodge them when they cross the street. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, so they started calling Brooklyn people Brooklyn Dodgers. Well, that's a I I had no idea, which makes uh, sense. But you know, I love that that. That's what that name came from. Yeah. Like Milwaukee Brewers is not hard to figure out. No, but Brooklyn Dodgers. <laughs> so they yeah. were in Brooklyn for years, and then they went to Los Angeles, and they kept the name. I'll be The darned. Dodgers. But that's where it came from, from the electric cable car days. Ha! Huh. That's actually very interesting. All right. I have some flatulent questions. Another one for coming God's up. For God's sakes, what rabbit hole did you go <laughs> down, Robert? Well, uh, let's not talk about the hole. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Go ahead. All right. What animal's flatulence is so rich it could power a small truck? A buffalo? No. A uh, elephant? N- amazingly, not a big animal. Okay. A small one. Yeah. A uh, Relatively small. Okay. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Really? A what? lamb? A sheep, yes. According to the book Who Knew, the flatulence of a single sheep could power a small truck for 25 miles a well, day. Well, yeah, let's go green. Everybody get a sheep. There you go. Put yeah. it in the car. 
The sheep's digestive process produces methane gas, which can be burned as fuel. That comes from who knew? Things you didn't know about things well, you know well. Yeah. Anyway, okay. so the, yeah, sheep. Uh, the flatulence of a sheep is so rich it could power a small truck. And I have more questions. No, I don't have any more questions. <laughs> Those are the only questions what I have. What president had the most flatulence? Okay, that's enough. That's my question. Wave that one away. As of October 2020, <laughs> what is considered the smallest unit of time? The smallest unit of time? Yeah. So during 2020, we discovered the smallest unit of time? Correct. Wow, I don't know. It must be a very tiny division of microseconds or something like that. I don't know. What's the answer? Very, very tiny. Okay. You probably thought it was the Yocto second. Of course. Uh, I think we even did that once. But now it is a Zepto second. It's a trillionth of a billionth of a second. And it was quantified by the physicists at Goethe University in Frankfurt, Germany, recounted in Science News. Apparently, Bob, there's a global race to measure ever shorter time spans. I'm sure someone will outdo this in another year. And why it's important, I'm just too shallow. To I just know. don't have enough time to worry about that <laughs> myself. How about? I'll be with you in a Zepto second. Okay. <laughs> All right. A couple more word origin questions. Mm -hmm. What popular clothing material owes its name to a small French mill town? What kind of... Uh, what kind of popular clothing material owes its name to a small French mill town? Small French uh, kind of popular clothing. The bustier? No. It's, it's actually material. It's material, not cotton. There's it's wool. a type of fabric. Is, is it It wool? is cotton. Is it? Yeah. From cotton France. From denim or denim France. Ah. Denim. Yeah, the French called the fabric Serge de Nîmes, named after the French mill town of Nîmes. Later, the name was shortened to Denim, and today we call that material denim. You're so sexy. Denim. Denim. <laughs> we once called the material denim, but today it is denim. Uh, the town is N-I-M-E-S, okay. the mill town. Okay. All right. How did a New Orleans bank lead us to call the South Dixie? How did a New Orleans bank lead us to call the South Dixie? I don't know. Did they have a lot of Dixie cups down there? No. Oh, why? You might remember before the Civil War, most money was issued by banks, individual banks. There was no national currency per se. And soon after Louisiana became part of the United States, a New Orleans bank issued bilingual banknotes in French and English, and the $10 bills carried the French word D-I-X. Dix, spelled D-I-X. Ah. And soon the bills came to be known as Dixies. Really? Yeah, they so called the bill Dixies. The bills were Dixies. And later, Dixie was the nickname for New Orleans. And in 1859, Daniel Decanter Emmett wrote the song Dixie. And that became an informal anthem for the South. But it all came from a currency, a French D-I-X note. Okay. What is the biggest selling restaurant food in the world. What's the food that more people eat every year than anything else? Ostrich hearts. <laughs> okay, that's not it. Oh, I'm so tired of Wait those. a minute. That's so yesterday. <laughs> Buffalo ostrich hearts. Okay, I would say French fries or something like that. You know, that was, uh, that was an answer, but after going in depth as I do, <laughs> I found out that was wrong. Let me ask another one. Is this a, a prepared hot or cold? 
This is hot. Okay. It's not a hamburger. It is. Oh, really? It's a McDonald hamburger, to be specific, because they have 39,000 locations. What's not to... Holy to- <laughs> cow. So that's the biggest selling food in the world, restaurant food, is hamburgers from Mickey D's. But in terms of location numbers, who do you think beats McDonald's? Who has more locations in the world than McDonald's? And it's actually the number two selling. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, No, that's on the top five, I think. But Subway. Oh, really? Yeah. It has more than 41,500 locations in the world. And third, you want to take a guess? Burger King or somebody like that, if you're talking about those kinds of foods. No, this is one that uh, has really grown in a short while. Okay. Starbucks. They have 29,900 worldwide locations. Well, since you mentioned McDonald's, I found two other questions on McDonald's I thought you might find interesting, okay? okay? If you bought 100 shares of McDonald's restaurant stock way back in 1965, what would those 100 shares of McDonald's restaurant stock be worth today? In 1965, they cost $2,250. For 100 shares? Yeah. Well, that's a lot of money. Well, back then it was, yeah, $2,250. If you bought 100 shares and held on to them, they would have grown to more than 70,000 shares today. Oh, oh, because they keep reinvesting. Okay, and that would be worth $70 million. $7 million. $7 million. Okay, and one more question. If you drive up to the McDonald's in Slough, England, and order a Big Mac, whose pockets are you lining with your money? Repeat that. If you drive to the McDonald's in Slough, England, I assume it's pronounced Slough, Slough. S-L-O-U-G-H, and order a Big Mac, whose pockets are you putting your money into? (laughs) The mayor? The queen's. Really? Yeah, (laughs) or the royal families. The Bath Road Retail Center, where that McDonald's restaurant is located, which is 20 miles west of London, is part of the Crown's vast real estate portfolio. So when you're ordering a Big Mac there, you're giving the money to the queen. Ah, yeah, she can use it probably. Yeah, you never know. She needs more pantyhose or something, (laughs) more gloves and purses. All Uh, right, let's go to break, and then I'll come back. Okay, let's break for a burger. Uh, (laughs) Let's just break. (laughs) I don't think we need a burger. Well, why not? You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith, and we're back with more information. Okay, Bob, who said this quote, okay? Okay. I hate flowers. I paint them because they're cheaper than models, and they don't move. Oh, dear. (laughs) I hate flowers. I paint them because they're cheaper than models, Uh and they don't move. Is this back in the... Back in the era of the Impressionist painters? No. No, it isn't. No. Is it? I don't know. Who would say that? It's modern art. Who's modern art? Georgia O'Keeffe. Georgia O'Keeffe yeah, said that? who painted over 200 flowers in her portfolio and these ginormous close-up flowers, well, yeah. right? And uh, she hated them. She hated yeah. flowers? Yeah, I hate them, she says. Read the quote again. I hate flowers. I paint them because they're cheaper than models and they don't move. So she must not like models either. (laughs) Wow. There's an artist with a lot of hate in her. Oh, yes. She was born, did you know this? Wisconsin. That's right. Sun Mm -hmm. Prairie, Wisconsin, but lived in the southwest New Mexico area until she died at the age of 98 Mm -hmm. in 1986. And she was considered a major part of the modern art movement. 
Well, Marcia, here's the burning question I have for you. How many ridges does a dime have? Really? <laughs> yeah, you know, I bet you everybody listening woke up this morning wondering that. But you let no. me guess, just out of the blue, I'll say 116. Hey, you're really close. You get that little dime in your hand, that yeah. little U.S. dime. It's got 118 ridges. <gasps> I was only two off? Well, only two off. That was right then. All right, now one Good more bonus me. question now. Of all the coins in U.S. currency, why was the dime chosen for President Franklin Roosevelt's portrait? There was a reason. There was. Yes. And I don't know what that is. Are you looking at me funny? You think I should know this? My God. <laughs> Tell me why. It's due to his work on the March of Dimes. Oh, really? Of course. That was the fundraising <gasps> cool. campaign to battle polio, oh. and that disease took away his ability to walk, and he participated in the March of Dimes. He was a big supporter of that. and uh, So after he died, they thought, well, let's put him on the dime. That's, that's very cool that that was a way to pay tribute to him. Okay, Bob, is there a continent that has birth and babies with 0% mortality rate? A continent with 0% mortality rate. Would yeah. that be Antarctica? It is Antarctica, huh. but not because nobody lives there, because only 11 babies have been born there. Because there's a population down there, seasonally anyway, between 1,000 and 5,000 people. And 11 women uh, had their babies there, and none of them died. So it has a zero mortality rate. Okay, now I, I get it. Yeah. How many ATM machines do you think they have? <laughs> <laughs> I know, did you ever picture never, in your mind a money machine over in Antarctica? In Antarctica. You're yeah. at the bottom of the earth. And uh, where? how many ATMs are there yeah, there? There's got to be more than one. So I'll say there are two. <gasps> Very good. That is correct. Wells Fargo uses one of them as for spare parts. <laughs> they have two of them sort of next to each other. If one goes uh, awry, they have another one to uh, steal stuff off and fix it. I mean, what do, what do they use the money for? Well, surprise, surprise. They have bars there and shops and barber shops, And so everything is done in cash transaction. Mm. They don't even get their paycheck except auto deposit. Okay. So for anything they want to buy or do, they need the cash. So they need reliable ATM machines. NCR is the maker of those machines like they are here. And uh, the customer engineer goes there in the summer when the average daily temperature is like about minus 40 degrees. Oh, that's the balmy temperature. <laughs> Of That's the when he does it. Yeah, he said they really appreciate having those ATMs at the McMurdo base, which is the largest, and it's the U.S. base. How many different bases are there down there? There is are it? 66 scientific stations scattered across Antarctica. Wow. And this is the largest one. Yeah. They all serve as national research bases. For different countries. Countries, yeah. Huh. Populations from as many as 1,300 to as few as six. Wow. But the biggest one is um, McMurdo, and that's where the ATM machines are. So the ATM machine is like a sign of civilization. <laughs> it is. And they got, <laughs> like I said, they got bars and shops and barbershops. All right, that's great. All right, Marcia, how hungry can great white sharks get? How should I quantify that? Well, let's quantify this by how long can they go without eating? Because if you wait this long to eat, it's going to be a meal. <laughs> Half hour. No, they can go they three were. months without eating. Really? So when they're hungry, they can be very, very hungry. Wouldn't you hate to be the swimmer going in near that 
shark. Oh, my that goodness. Has- yeah, just a, a leg. That would be a little appetizer. <laughs> All right, Marcia, here's another animal question. How okay. loud, how loud is a lion's roar? How far away can it be heard? I'll say it can be heard five miles away. That's exactly right. I got it. A lion's roar can be heard up to five miles away. Thank you. You know my penchant for sneezing, Bob. Yes, Marcia can sneeze. When I first met her, she would sneeze and I would say, bless you. And then I found out Marcia could go 13 times before I had to say bless you. I was, you know, saving my energy. Yeah, I'd always say, don't bother, Bob. <laughs> don't bother. <laughs> 13 times she did it once, I That's remember. Right. Okay, but how long do you think the longest sneezing fit has gone on for? Is this somebody that went on for longer than a day or something? Yes. Like? Oh, my goodness. Did they sleep? Well, that's just it. It didn't uh, say that, but uh, I looked into it a little more. And you you don't sneeze during REM sleep because your body relaxes so much. So it's in her waking hours, let's just say. I'll say she sneezed for three days. A little bit off. According to the BBC and the Guinness Book, 976 straight days. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Donna Griffiths of Britain started sneezing in 1981 until September 16th, 1983. The first 365 days, she sneezed approximately one million times. Can't imagine your heart could take that. I I don't see how you could take it either, but that is crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh. They have old things on her on the BBC. (laughs) Well, if the BBC says it, it's But it doesn't tell you what made her sneeze. No. I don't know. So don't ever tell the story about my 13 in a row. Cause like it's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> 13 times, that's nothing. All right, Marcia, you've heard the song Three Coins in the Fountain. How much money is tossed into Rome's famous Trevi Fountain every day? I'll say every day $2,224. $3,500 in change yeah, is wow. tossed into the Trevi wow. Fountain That's on a daily basis. And that was only discovered after it was learned that a homeless man was successfully and regularly getting <laughs> pulling it, uh, the stash out of the water using a magnetized well, pole. Oh, good for him. Wouldn't you? I would. Since then, all Italian coins and euros subsidize a food bank, yes. while the foreign currency is donated to the Red Cross. Okay, another question. How much would a million dollars in $20 bills weigh? Okay, we did this the other day. Remember, we were cleaning out the drawers, and we stacked them up. No, we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Under the bed. Marcia, Uh, Marcia, the question. Okay. A million dollars in $20 increments, what would that weigh? I will say 14 pounds. 102 pounds. Yes. Really? A million dollars in $20 bills would weigh 102 pounds. Wow, that's substantial. That's a lot of bills. Just shows you how much a million dollars is. People say it like it's nothing now, but 100 pounds of money. Speaking of paper money, it's not really paper. U.S. paper money isn't purely paper. What else is it made of? Well... I think linen is in there, but that's all I know. That's true. Linen is in there. It's made up of linen and several types of cotton. U.S. currency is, along with scraps of denim. Really? And that's done intentionally. (laughs) Yeah, denim. Intentionally to give it a fabric-like feel and durability. Yeah. Because if it was only paper, it could tear easily. I never thought of that, how durable it is, Yeah, there's a science to it, consistency that makes it easy to carry in your pocket. I thought that was interesting. 
It is. Okay. It is. Do you want to guess what is the world's best-selling musical instrument, Bob? The world's best-selling musical instrument could be a harmonica, could be a flute. I would think it'd be a flute because that would be the easiest thing to make, you know, like a, a stick with holes in it. Flute. Something that is hollow, and oh. then you basically drill holes in it, and then you can yeah. play well, things Yeah, well, you were it. right the first time. It is the harmonica. Really? That's right. It's versatile, easy to carry, and to learn. Its history actually goes back to ancient China. Oh, I didn't know that. Where prototypes were found in digs. But it didn't begin to be manufactured until the 1850s in Germany. And 10 years after that, it came to the U.S., And it didn't become popular until the 1940s when African-American blues singers started incorporating it into their songs. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because I always think of it as the uh, the cowboys had them out on the range, you know? Nope. American blues singers of the South started using it, and that's where it came popular. Okay, Marsha, one more money-oriented question for you. Why are piggy banks shaped like pigs? Well, why are piggy banks shaped like pigs? Because they're called piggy banks. Why is that? Because you saved your money to buy a pig for the farm. No. Okay, then why? It's a play on words. In the 18th century, people saved their money in earthenware made of dense orange clay known as pig, P-Y-G-G. That was the name of the clay. Okay. And they were pig banks. So later, craftspeople began shaping coin banks like pigs, the animal. Oh, okay. It's kind of a visual pun. I had, the piggy bank, the you know, pig bank. I had a huge pig of a pig bank mm-hmm. when I was a kid, a big plaster pig, blue and pink and everything. Yeah. It was huge. I had those too. My sister and I both had, and they were they were like gray or black piggy banks, and they were made out of like plaster or something. You're yeah, right. they, were, they weren't heavy, but they were humongous. You had to kind of tap the bottom and break that to bring the coins out. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. What old name for a wine salesman is used today on Wall Street? So this is another money-oriented name question. And a wine question. Yeah, which I thought, well, you'd know the uh, answer to this. I know, and on Wall Street. Hmm. Well, let me, I'll just spell the original word. It was B-R-O-C-O-U-R. B-R-O-C-O-U-R. It was the Anglo-Saxon name for a person who broached or opened a keg of wine. Later, broker... <laughs> Evolved a into broker. broker. Yeah. And came to describe any middleman who bought and sold things. Ha! Huh. The broker. Okay, I'm going to finish up with a relationship quote. A relationship quote. This is a quote I pull out uh, at weddings if anybody asks me to speak. And it's from Joanne Woodward. Remember her, the late great actress? And she was the wife of Paul Newman. And she said, Good sex comes and goes, and beauty fades. But someone who can make you laugh every day, now that's something special. And that's true. It really is true. <laughs> she that, says that, laughing. <laughs> that, that goes beyond everything else. Yeah. Speaking of going beyond everything else, if you'd like to <laughs> send us your question, you'd like to uh, have one of us pose to the other, go to our website. Theofframp.show. And scroll down to... Contact us. And then leave us your question, the source of it, your name. And where you come from. That'd be great. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. Join us when we return next time for The The Off-Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.